Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Morning Podcast. The only way the podcast gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action or with the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mallover Podcast. We are Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. Uh, although we rarely post there at all, other than to tell people we've done a new podcast. Um, all of our interactions seem to be on Twitter, um, of which we have a growing following, which is which is really good. Well over 2,000 followers now and uh, some really solid interactions. So thank you to all of your people that interact with us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is on Apple Podcasts as well as Anchor. Um Spotify, I think, Google Store, all of the the relevant podcast and podcatchers you can find us on. Um, I'm joined this week by Ben and the Lensman. How you doing, chaps? Good evening, then. You might you might hear a bit of American football in the background. I'm not going to apologise for it. And neither would I expect you to. Uh, and how are you, Ben? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Just... Uh... You reminded me to have a look at the um, Twitter account, so I'm seeing if anyone actually asked us any questions. There's a there's a few. We'll uh, we'll chip those in uh, early doors. What I will say is um, Matt, who's at Shanghai on Twitter, who's, who's one of our longtime listeners, has absolutely spanked me into next week on this week's fancy rugby draft, and he will uh, not stop going on about it all week unless I mention it. So. Um, unfortunately for me, he has absolutely murdered me. Um, Tom Collins getting a red card didn't help, um, but neither did all of his players scoring lots of points and uh, mine not so much. Um, it's been a weekend of rugby. Premiership's back now. Well, I say it's back now. It's been back for a few weeks. Now we're going back to Europe again, which is... Are you, are you struggling to find to, to kind of know where we are? It's very stop-start at the moment, isn't it? No, there's no continuity, is there? You sort of you've had a couple of weeks of Premiership, um, 
Uh, you feel like you get a bit of rhythm there. You know what's happening, and then all of a sudden you're back into Europe, and nobody really cares outside of Saracens and Leinster. No, and and Saracens might not even even qualify, which would, you know, which would certainly be interesting. But massively. <laughs> well, we'll come on. We'll we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, into into your recent Saracens excursion, because I'm sure you've got some really uh, really nice things to say. Um, let's start on Friday night. Uh, sale against Harlequins, obviously live on BT Sport. Um, other than a breakaway try from the very, very decent uh, Gabriel Batoyi, um, on a scale of one to rubbish, how rubbish are Harlequins at the moment? Uh, I'm short of all capitalised in acrylic. I don't really know how much more rubbish you can be. They are a bad rugby team and yeah. I think what happened at one stage is they they panned to the management team and Oscar the Grouch actually just popped up. (laughs) Yeah, they they didn't. So it was um, Sean Long, Toby Booth, and Paul Gustard seemed to be up on. Steve Diamond was in in a nice comfy chair in the in the stand, and Gustard Long and Booth were on a on a gantry somewhere, probably you know just just outside of Salford. That's actually in the top of the main stand. So is it's it like a walkway? It's where the gantry cameras go. It's right at the top, like a concourse. Yeah, but not yeah. for the not for general it's consumption. Like above the, if you look at a picture of that stand on on the internet, it's above the executive boxes. So I'm assuming they would stand up there to give themselves a, a better, wider yeah, view of the. But I mean, getting a bird's eye view of absolute dump Shall isn't. I? <laughs> yeah, and absolutely shellacking isn't gonna isn't yeah. gonna do you any favours. They weren't tackling from ground level. They weren't tackling any better from a bird's eye view, were they? No, no, they were. They were they were bobbins. Let's be honest. They were they were. Um, sale they... sale were good. Well, no, actually, sale were decent on the night. Um, Ian Tempest, arguably sale's best player. Um, and I've done a lot of. I've, I found myself doing a bit of referee bagging over the last couple of weeks. Um, I did it to Luke Pierce last week. Now it's Ian Tempest's turn. Um, Sale absolutely lived offside on Friday night, and it got beyond the joke. And when, to the, when even when even the commentators are saying it, yeah, you know, you know that it's bad. But it seems to be. It seems to be sort of something that's happening you know ground to ground week to week game to game and getting more and more embarrassingly prevalent yeah and a lot of the, a lot of the team the teams that are doing really well at the moment are the teams that have sort of mastered that so what i've noticed there seems to be this thing of teams that are really aggressive with the offside line you look at saracens exeter sale were on we're on Friday night. Um, who else kind of does it? I think um, Saints have been doing it quite a bit. Yeah, it, it just seems to be right. And I think we've said it before as well. Like if you're offside every phase, they're not going to ping you every phase. No, and that's the thing, isn't it? And the the likes of Exeter and Saracens, and you say obviously the more successful teams, they have been doing it for a long time, and they continue to do it until they get pinged. 
and then they'll creep back for a little bit and then they'll release the pressure for a little bit and then they'll step it up and step it up and step it up potentially until they get pinged again and then they'll back off to make it look like they're they're adhering to what the referee wants them to do and then and then they'll go back again what i noticed from because ian tempest did not um or any of the officials it's not just it's not just ian tempest any of the officials including his assistants um call them for for being continually offside then why are you going to stop you're not is the answer and they're going to continue to push it ben i you you pretty much made my point there russ i think you know any team that can get away with offside is going to be offside um their line speed every team you mentioned is very very fast so i don't think they're quite as offside as they look sometimes um but you said it though the referees they've got a lot to consider especially at, at, at malls and rucks they're they're looking for you know foul play people going off their feet hands in the ruck they're trying to make sure no one's getting decapitated by someone piling in late and they're not perhaps going to be taking notice of what's going on behind their back as people creep offside but you, you said that you said it, assistant referees. Why don't they hand the offside line over to the assistant ref? Well, they've, they've got two guys that are literally stood looking side on across exactly. the, back, the back foot of the ruck. I mean, as if there was a, I mean, it would be nice, you know, perhaps they, they need a president of another sport where the assistant referees are responsible for offside. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, why, why they, that, that would make sense because... You know, every game you see Saracens playing, for example, Twitter goes mad. They're offside all the time. Um, as I say, I'm not sure they are quite as often as we as we think, um, but for sure they are. And if they can get away with it, they'll creep up. I mean, you, you get that under under 14s, don't you? You know, I'll just creep up a couple of steps. You'll get away with that. So if if if, you, if under 14s coaches are trying to get away with it, I'm pretty sure Mark McCall is probably going to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I, what it does, it, the team that lives closer to that line, you see it constantly with Exeter and Saracens. The amount of times teams have multiple phases of possession where they lose 15 to 20 metres mm. because they just cannot get every, every single every single uh, collision, collision behind the game line. Yeah. And the, the, the opposition never really get back on side and it just forces them back and back and back and then they kick it away. I found, yeah, you're right. Um, going more specifically into to Harlequins and and their own kind of woes, and then they, other than other than Lasicki, they really struggled for anyone that could get across the game line, and they didn't really even give Lasicki any any ball. He for ten minutes, and I mentioned Lorde last week. He's been he's been good for him, but he's why been not? Best player every time I see him. But why not? What what's going on with Alex Dombrant? Not even in not on the injury designation, and not in the squad. There's got had, to be something going on. He's hardly started a game, is he? Is he in the second? Is he in the set? It must be in the second year of a two-year contract, potentially. I bet, I bet Saracens have signed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it would. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, it's his second. It's his second season. Where did he go? It was a. Cardiff, didn't he sign Cardiff him like oh, they come from Cardiff, Cardiff Met? And, and he kind of burst onto the scene last year. And this season, you know, when he's played, he, he is a, 
a juggernaut, isn't he? He carries hard and he always seems to to break the gain line. And that's the sort of thing that Quinns seem to be lacking. I mean, Rob, Tom, uh, Chris Robshaw is a shadow of his former self. It's almost like he's he's just ma- not maybe not mailing it in. That's a bit unfair, but it's just uh, past his best. I don't think you're up there. I don't think that is isn't unfair. I don't think that. Hang on. How do I say this? You don't think it is unfair, or you don't think it is That's the case? That's negative, though. That means it's fair, right? I don't think it isn't unfair. Uh, okay. Right, yeah. um, so you think I'm right? I think they're instead of built in the image of some of their players' attitudes, basically. So look at a certain prop who thinks. Let's he's let's talk about certain prop. The, because the, the, fun, the funniest man in world of sport, just in the and world. Look at Danny Carey. Yeah, there, there there are some players there that set the tone, and the the tone is, well, I don't need to try on on Joe Marler. I do what I want. I mean, what? What was he doing? That little piece of petulance, um, completely unnecessary, completely pointless. Yet because he... he thinks that everyone's just going to go, oh, it's Joe being Joe, isn't it? Don't worry about it. He won't get sent off. But, but there were some people on Twitter going, oh, Joe Marler, ha, oh, funny, yeah, Jack the yeah, Lad. Yeah. Like, exactly. Fuck off, mate. And that's how he. He's... That's that's why he gets away with it, mate. He's an absolute wand. <laughs> <laughs> And the type, the type of guy that that is trying so hard for some sort of validation, and trying to be funny, and just trying to be, you know, trying to create. I'll just stop you there. Wand is the greatest explanation for someone. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, right? If it was, if it was based solely on his ability as a prop, you know, he'd be all right because not a tight end, he wouldn't. Not tight Eddie wouldn't. He got absolutely he got his fucking head pushed back into his um body by Ellis Genge. But anyway. He had to um, be pulled out by one of those things you fix toilets with. <laughs> a plunger. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just go old school with a plunger. But but you know, as as a as a world class loose head and a scrummaging loose head, he's he's probably one of the best scrummagers in the world. If he just left it at that and stopped trying to be this caricature of oh yeah I'm I'm arguably the funniest guy in the world then maybe it wouldn't be so so much but it's almost like he he's constantly needs to be centre of attention oh look my team's getting an arse then you know what I'll just go and sit on a chair for ten minutes I absolutely love what Byron McGuigan did to him as he was leaving he was trying to be the funny man by going oh no he's the wrong brother look at me ha oh, I'm so funny and Byron McGuigan just went fuck off mate just get off <laughs> You've been in a cut. You're not funny, and you can you can read him going. You're not funny, mate. Just fuck off. <laughs> Sorry if there's any kids listening. That's a rude word. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll put an expl- I'll put an explicit uh, an expletive on it. Um, <laughs> hey. he he likes he, he likes to get involved, old Byron as well, doesn't he? Mind he hey. running running seventy yards to get involved in a absolute handbags poetry emotion. <laughs> yeah. Is Marler kind of? He's he's at the sort of older end of his career, isn't he? Is he kind of going for a sort of Andy Good route? Is, is this a roundabout way of you te- wishing he'd fuck off? Because <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> if um, you are, Doug's well on board. No, because like to, <laughs> towards the end, the Andy Good <laughs> previously was mostly known for just on-field banter, being a bit tubby. But the last few years of his career, he was like banter king. 
um, until we found out he was like Mr. Brexit. He was, you know, and he he, <laughs> he became a sort of um, <clears throat> a hero. Care- in my eyes. I, I'm going to carefully say this, Doug, and you might alter it slightly, but a cult figure. Um, and maybe Marla's trying yeah, to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Get no, himself a career after he leaves. What I find fascinating is that he's constantly horrible to uh, people within my profession, but is clearly lining his nest for a job in that profession. Yeah, because he because he wants to be lads, 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 banter, 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 Andy Good. You know, how can I how can I forge and give myself a, a marketable. Uh, product, I guess, Joe Project Product Joe Marler, um, outside the world of rugby or inside the world of rugby, but from a different um, viewpoint. Don't know. Yeah. It just fucking. It just upsets me. But, uh, and we sort of strayed from the main the main point, which is that that I think that team is made in that image. They're sort of that sort of. Um, I'm bigger than this. You know, I don't think they've. Initially, when Gus I went there, I remember we did a podcast where I said that they looked like a sort of Saracens light, and and they were trying to play in that manner. And I don't think that any of the players have really bought into it. I think you can see it in a few of them, but a few of them are like, "Look, mate, we've we've played for Harlequins for years, and we'll, this is not how we play, and we'll do it how we want to do it. And if you don't <laughs> like it, oh. Rob, Rob Shaw, Care, Care, Marla, Care, like you know, ambling up to the base of a ruck. You know, no urgency. Passes to. I think that. I think Marcus Smith is doing the best he can with a bunch of players that aren't really good enough. Yeah. Um, and I think it's he needs to get away from that club, otherwise he's just going to fall by the wayside. He's going to be another. He's going to be another. Um, Ollie Barkley. Ollie Barkley, or the the one who played for the blonde one. Garrity. Garrity. Oh, Shane Garrity yeah. or Ryan Lamb. Ryan Lamb. Yeah, exactly. All the promise and then never, yeah. never took it on. And and I saw you. Oh, that Cipriani kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nicky Gonover wanted nothing to do with Friday night. No, either, he, he's he's out on that. He just is he on loan or has he joined them permanently? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Because um, if he's on loan from Newcastle, I bet he cannot wait to get back up north. He looked like just not in. He looked an absolute shadow of the bloke he was last year, or the year before that, even. Just not good enough, mate. Not good enough. I don't, um, I don't think Gustav's long for that job. No, because the, the players clearly don't want it, and it, and again, that's a shame because he's obviously got good ideas. He did good things with a team that bought into his ideas, and uh, it's all being wasted. Yeah, at a club uh, which has been rotten for, if you believe the stories, for quite a while. Well, it's those um, gesturing quarters, um, like you say, the the cares, the Rob Shaws. It's almost like a bit of it seems like a bit of an old boys club. Uh, the old cares and Rob Shaws cliche. The old, the old cares and Rob Shaws cliches, but you know, who knows, mate? It's uh, one of those things. Sale, on the other hand, um, packed full of South Africans. Steve Diamond had an interview on BT Sport before the game and said that something like 60% of the squad, I can't remember the exact quote, but 60% of the squad were born within 30 miles of the ground, which clearly wasn't true because you've got McGuigan and um, who's Scottish, you've got one, two, three, 
four, five, six South Africans. Um, Bryn Evans, who's uh, an Australian, was he a Kiwi? Kiwi. Kiwi. I always get there. I was just looking at the flag on the on my thing. The flag just they're all the same, aren't they? Um, <laughs> you're daft racist. <laughs> you're daft racist. And then you've got then you've got McGinty and, and Morozov. So uh, I'm not having sixty percent of that starting lineup were born thirty miles of Manchester. No, um, it's because it's bullshit. <laughs> and that, utter, that, utter, utter bullshit. Is that um, Manchester Pretoria? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got the wrong way around. And the other thing he said was, was uh, finally, you know, I've, I'm a coach that's been operating at thirty to forty percent of the salary cap for quite a long time, and now and we're again, able to, bollocks. And now we're and now we're able to operate in and around the actual full salary cap. You know, we're aiming for top four, and we and we need to be there because that's where I'll be judged. I'm like, mm. is that true though, Steve? Is it really, Steve? Steve, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Oh, dime. She's not fooling anyone, mate. I mean, that it... geezer, uh, he is almost as bad as Saracens fans for believe, believing he's the victim, isn't he? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, well, it's not there. my fault. We've only had 40% of the salary cap. Yeah, but you've got 90% of South Africa's rugby players. <laughs> And, and Craig Doyle literally put it to him. He was like, so uh, you signed all this South Africans. It's got nothing to do with the uh, the rounds of the pound value then. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. No, it hasn't. No, they're just exceptional players who, uh, who, who want to come to, to Manchester because they like the lifestyle. You know, yeah. they, they came for the Hacienda. Um, right. Let's, uh, let's move on. You mentioned Saracens, Doug. Um, you were there yesterday, yeah. having uh, having a time of your life in an absolute whomping of Worcester. Um, I'm not entirely sure how many how many descriptive words we could use for that result and that performance. Um, did you have a nice time? I, oh, it was great. Uh, let's let's not beat around the bush. It, you know, Saracens bent them over and fingered their bum bums <laughs> pretty much dry. <laughs> There was nothing, I mean, but not. But it wasn't even like they they did it willfully. You know, Saracens were were allowed because because Worcester got off the bus with their shorts already pulled down and just lined up outside their dressing room. And just they didn't. Said, they didn't. Yeah. Did they? Did they? Nicky Gonover it, it at the Allianz on it, on Saturday. It seems to me, and I I spoke to a friend of the pod, James. And uh, apologise for mine and your conduct over the last three months. Why, why are you apologising for my conduct, mate? Because you're a dick and I'm a dick. And we've been a dick to rugby Saracens on... And I mean, they don't help themselves by... And, and I would like to disassociate James from rugby Saracens. He's, he's got a party line and, you know, he follows that. And he's thinking is his actual Twitter account. And he's, you know, we never we never hit him hard there. But when you write stuff like... You know, hairy Harry, and it's not our fault. You're going to get some stick. So I just wanted to set him straight that it was a Saracen thing, not a James thing. That's all it was. Uh, uh, well, that's good, and and I'm I'm glad you you were able to to clear the air. You also um, managed to bang over a couple of drop goals. Yeah, yeah, because I'm a metronome. Um, <laughs> but, but, back, but back to the game. Um, yeah, 
it would seem that the club's sort of towards the bottom of the league have gone, right, well, we would probably lose the Saracens at home by five points, even if we put out our best side. So why fucking bother? And so they left Francois Houha on the bench. Um, uh, Marco Mamel was on the bench. Uh, there was a couple of Fatih Alofa. Chris Pennell didn't play. Yeah. Fatih Alofa played, unfortunately. and, and Got injured, didn't he? Yeah. I'm sorry, Taysom Hill has just done something else. He's ludicrous. Um, he's just scored. He scored a touchdown earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Fatih came on about two minutes later. Um, went into attack. Well, went into contact and sort of the crown of his head into the thigh of a player coming towards it. I think it's compressed his spine. They've not actually released any information about what the injury was but it was odd because plays just sort of stopped and I was on on him in my camera and I saw him there and he wasn't moving and there was one other Worcester player there who didn't want to move and no Saracens players around him even though the ball was right there yeah so it was obviously shit something's happened and everyone just you know if you hear like a net yeah yeah you know I've heard it a couple of times at, at nine. You hear neck, neck, neck or something like that. And the scrum just dissolves, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he didn't move for about 15 minutes and then got taken off on a stretcher and had oxygen. So that didn't look particularly nice. Um, no. Um, and he spent the night in hospital. I'm not sure what the latest the latest update on that is, but uh, we wish um, wish him well. And yeah. nobody likes nobody likes to see that sort of stuff on the on the rugby field at any time for any player. So, no. so that's. But, no I mean, not, but regarding the game, Saracens were forty points up at half time. Um, Worcester didn't seem that bothered. I think or was it thirty five points up at half time? Thirty one nil, and then thirty one five. Yeah, and then and then immediately came out and conceded two tries, and you know, it, it was just an it. It may as well, in the interest of players' welfare, that game should not have happened. It was it was a joke, um, and I mean Farrell getting away with one again. Yeah, <laughs> so I've I've seen I've seen this, and and all I've seen is people go, "Oh, well, in Farrell, we'll get away with it because he's English, and the Six Nations is coming up, and it was a no arms tackle, and he shouldered him to the face." And if you compare that one to the one that happened six months ago and one that happened um, between Leicester and Bristol and you compare it to this one and you compare it to that one. I don't actually think it was that bad in fairness. Um, I don't think, I don't think it was, uh, sorry, right. Let me start again. You know, what really pisses me off is when people say he led with it or people lead with the shoulder that pisses me off because that's kind of how you tackle with your shoulder, with then the the impact is with your shoulder and the arms wrap because that's just what happens. So you do always lead with your shoulder. You know, if people think because your arms are, are wide out in front of you that you're not leading with your shoulder, then that's that's bullshit. Um but the actual incident itself, when you look at the two players that are making attackers, you've got one person coming in kind of from the side behind, I can't remember who it was, and then probably Barrett in the inside centre channel stopping Farrell being able to even attempt to wrap his right arm uh, around. He There was a, a wrap of the left arm. 
Um, and I don't. I, to me, it doesn't look like it even made contact with with his with his chin anyway. Um, Ali was so, Ali was Ali was Ali was falling based on the tackle that was coming in from the side and uh, from the side anyway. I disagree on this one. I think having seen a couple of red cards for the similar kind of thing over the last couple of weeks, I think his was a more clear cut under the letter of the regulations that it should have been a, at least a yellow, if not a red. I, you know, for me, it's play on whatever. But um, yeah, in the interests of consistency, it should have been some form of off your pop. Um, the problem, the problem I have with it is that he has a very distinct tackle style where he sort of tucks. He doesn't tuck his arm in to give it that. You know, the the definition of arm tucked which is what the referee said. But he doesn't wrap. He sort of rolls. He sort of has his arm sort of behind him with his sort of shoulder proud of his chin, if you know what I mean. And then he brings it. So the initial contact is with his shoulder and then he moves his arm around afterwards. Yeah, I was just I was just watching it then. I was going to say exactly the same thing. He almost rolls his his shoulder forward. So he kind of brings him a little bit more side on than he should be, which is why it looks bad. And so it, he's leading. A, he is leading. That is the definition of leading with a shoulder. What I don't like is when people say someone leads with a shoulder when they make a form tackle, and it just so happens that the shoulder initiates contact with a chin. That's not leading with a shoulder. That's tackling and getting it a bit wrong. What Farrell's doing is actually leading with a shoulder. I, I think he's. I think he's making a tackle, but he's he's got a, a straight. Like Doug says, he's got a kind of almost strange technique. Which, which actually probably doesn't do him a lot of favours in that he's going to pop people off, but they're not always going to fall over. Um, so the the problem is now, and it, it, to be fair, I mean the referees probably do know more about bad tackling than they are you, are you gave sure on Twitter. <laughs> but but what I'm at some stage he's going to get picked up for one. One referee yeah. eventually is gonna is going to pick one up because whatever sort of explanation we're giving, they're not textbook. Uh, I mean, he's he's more likely to get one wrong. Uh, that one, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with Doug on this. I think it it looks a bit suspect, but you know, in an ideal world, it probably be carry on. It looks worse than what it is, I think, because. Because of where the tackle's coming from yeah, as well. I think so. Although he, he, is, one, he, is quite, um, he is quite upright. But the one, you see, Hutchinson got away with one today, didn't he? Yeah, and he was really upright. Yeah. Um, but the guy was Char- Char- Charlie Matthews, wasn't it? it was yeah. Four. And then Matt Carley was like, well, it was too far, too long ago now, so we can't go back to it. Yeah. Which. Um, to, to be fair, like I think it's probably not a good week to play Saracens after a kind of fairly emotionally charged defeat at Exeter with with their noses rubbed in it a little bit afterwards, plus the chairman going. I think probably Worcester probably were on the bus. I, I'd imagine the toilet got fairly good use on the bus on the way there. Yeah, I think... Let, let's talk about that for a minute then. Um, obviously, Nigel Ray has resigned or retired... Retired, so uh, 
you know, we need to. I don't know whether we need to be uh, specific in the wording here, but he's retired as chairman as of Saracens rather than resigned. Is that right? And the old um, Griffiths has come in. Um, interestingly, the first thing that he did being reappointed as, as chairman was apologise for all of the potential kind of misconduct as such. What do you make of that? Uh, was it a bit like when Alan Partridge apologises to the farmers? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit after the Lord Mayor's show, to be fair. Yeah. Sorry. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it all just feels a little bit... He's done the, fir- the the first thing that Nigel Ray never never did, and whether he's trying to to start a new dawn or just try and be, you know, trying to be a good guy coming in and and to try and lessen the heat a little bit, I don't know. Um, Doug, just take a big old swig of wine before you uh, <laughs> before you embark on this. So I spoke. I spoke with Jay. Day, I'm not sure how much of it he'd want me to, or is facts. So I won't drop him in it any. Um, I don't know. Nigel Ray's an old bloke, and part of me thinks that he just thinks that that he doesn't need the crap. He's he's basically just stepped down from a position on the board, hasn't he? Yeah, and just gone. You know what? Whatever. And they're still gonna, they're still the Ray family are still gonna fund, yeah, his club on there. His club is still, you know, I'm sure he'll still be pitching up at Saracens every week. I'm just, he's just taking his name off the door, I think. Yeah, it's maybe, maybe stepping away is, is the right thing to do. And you know, for, for all of for all of what's gone on in the in the most recent past, you know, you've got to applaud what he's done to a certain extent, not with the salary cap stuff, but, but well, move, got for that. he got away with it for years, moving, moving Saracens and the game forward, increasing the level, pushing the boundaries, um, you know, and without sort of Nigel Ray and the, and the way he's conducted, would, would that have pushed other teams to make decisions that, that, that they've done to improve their own teams and their own structures. I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's an interesting one, but I just found, I just found it really, really odd that the first thing that the, the new chairman did was, was apologize for, I was trying to find the statement. Um, and it said it didn't actually imply that they, they weren't still acting outside the, the, the rules as they are now, like as in when the statement was was released. So I don't know what you guys yeah. said. Um, I don't know if there's anything I can add to it, Russ, that I haven't already gone on. That's fair enough. Completely over and over and over again. I I I just think it, he's sort of kind of realised that he needs to just step away for a bit. I'm not even sure he'll be away forever. I I just think it's kind of a let the heat die down let and the heat die down. Yeah, and, you know, fair enough. The idiots, they'll they'll forget eventually, kind of thing. 
Yeah. Um, and, and the other kind of news off the back of that is that the the 5.2 million or whatever it is that they were fined is going to be distributed to the rest to the other premiership teams and that's a prl decision if i'm not mistaken is that right okay so where do you think it should go um because in, in my perspective that's a that's a fine as i said on twitter that's a fine to compensate the clubs for potential lost revenue yeah from league positions and all that kind of you know potential who knows how many teams maybe missed out on the European Cup and that's playing the Challenge Cup because Saracens were cheating. That's a tangible financial value that you can put a finger on, right? Yeah. So, I think there's a lot of... a lot of um... There's a lot of liberties being taken with how much other clubs have lost because of their cheating. But it is a fact that there, there potentially could have been a team based on league positions over a long period of time and the fluctuations within that... Yeah someone could have missed out so that money is to compensate those teams it's it's not it's it's not like a, a slush fund or a, a welfare grant it's yeah um, yeah and clubs can do with that with that money as they as they wish um i think what has what has riled a lot of people and i don't know why because i don't know what they were expecting that fine money to go towards but every, like the amount of tweets I've seen today about people going, well, it should just all be pumped straight back into grassroots rugby, and w- without without any real reasoning as to why. I know we'll just find Saracens five point two million pound, and then we'll just pump it uh, all that money just go to grassroots. Yeah. <laughs> but but how? Why? You know yeah. what? What's the rationale for that? Yes, grassroots. Yeah. You know we all understand grassroots rugby struggles. And participation levels and facilities and you know all of those sorts of things. We I get it, but you know what makes them think that a business a business fine? This isn't the RFU that are in charge of the game in this country and the you know the structures and the clubs that are affiliated to the RFU. This is a PRL fine of Saracens, and that's it. It's completely separate. Yeah. Could force them to loan like Billy Vunapola out to like a second team in Cornwall, <laughs> possibly one that plays in green and white. Green and white hoops. Yeah, fully fully paid by Saracens, but a year just playing twos. <laughs> if Billy Vunapola <laughs> came to play, for you, he could play. Tw- he could play twelve if he wanted. Well, I was going to say he could probably play ten. Yeah, just just give him a run. Yeah, that would be punishment, wouldn't it? There, there you go, Saracens. If they, if they, re- if they really wanted to um, to show contrition, they could take an initiative, send him and ma- send him and Marrow down. <laughs> send them to send them to Cornwall. Yeah, we got Vior on Saturday, so um, get them down here quick. I've Always a tasty this. one. Always a tasty yeah. one. George, George, George tried to get me to play. He asked. He was asking me on Twitter whether I'd play. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, who are you playing? And he just went, V, or I was like, no deal, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no thanks. He said, <laughs> you know, Rusty wants no piece of V, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, not interested in V or twos, mate. Thanks very much. Don't want to get in the phone. V or twos as well. I bet there's some absolute Romulans playing for that line there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just, I just <laughs> proper I nine tone weirdos. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get my face smashed in. Just uh, um... ooaring across Cornwall. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Are they the so... worst? Are they the worst Cornish rugby team to play against? I would say St. Colum- is it St. Colum as well? St. Colum don't have a teammate. That's, that's kind of that's where I live, St. Colum. Oh, I thought uh, they did. Okay. Any basically any team from the Red Roof Camborne area, you know you know are gonna be a little bit tasty. There there's Vior, there was uh, or there is a Luggan Park or Hooligan Park. Luggan Park, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Who have been known to be fairly tasty in the past. There's quite, there's quite a lot of audience participation down there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. Did I ever tell you about playing football um, when I was stationed at RF Wittering? I played football um, in a place called Ramsey, which is a, a, a town out in the middle of the fens. And literally the whole town came out to watch. And they were like spitting at us. Oh, I, I've had and this I've is had, like level eleven football. You're like, what? <laughs> I've, the I've hell had, is going I've on? Had a similar thing at a place called St. Breward, which is which is you know where St. Breward is, Ben, don't you? Up up on the moors, right? Up, up on the moor, up yeah. on up on the blizzard, and to get <laughs> and, to, and to get to this pitch, right? You have to drive over cattle grids, and there are there are horses and sheep just roaming free <laughs> on the road, you know. And and all of a sudden, in the middle of this moor where there's a single track road, and there's no there's no trees around, there's a few bushes. It's just moorland as far as the eye can see. <laughs> it's like, and then all of a sudden, there's a football pitch and a and like a like a little community centre. And like I said, well, I turned up for a, a Sunday morning game. The mist but, clears. Yeah, sun, <laughs> sun, Sunday morning for RAF St Morgan. And you turn it up and the whole village is there. Yeah, and, and there's probably, you know, there's 50 or 60 people there for their, like, bi-weekly home oh, right. football match. Yeah. Or something. I mean, there must have been 200 people at this game in Ramsey. It was ridiculous. Did you, um, did you have to experience Brown Willie when you were there, Russ? Uh, I can safely say I've never experienced Brown Willie, Ben. Highest spot, in, highest spot in Cornwall on Bobby Moore. Absolutely is. Yeah. Um, bit of a Trick local yeah. Um Talking of uh, the, the roughest rugby match I've, I think team I've ever played against was Avonmouth, though. Have you ever played there, Russ? Uh, I have played at Avonmouth, yeah. It's just is off... near the, Bristol? Yeah, yeah it's, it's just right just off the M5. Junction, jun- like junction 19 of the M5. Yeah, that was a day and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure how you like how you deal with it like i remember the story i told you about the, one of the last rugby matches i played in which where i came up from a ruck with their number eight collar and we were like doing the classic rugby handbags oh yeah grabbing each other's collars and yeah. shaking each other going, Go on, yeah. Go on, and, all, and all i was doing was going uh, and in my brain i was going i was like yeah and then in my brain i was just going please don't hit me please don't hit me please don't hit me because <laughs> he was massive um oh, wow yeah, those were the days, eh, when we used to play sport. One day, one day we'll all have a run out together, and that'll yeah. be fun. It'll be so emotional. Like Whitney Houston. I'm um, play, I want you to play 10, Russ, so I can just deliver you some absolute hospital <laughs> passes off my left hand. Just, just, just giving me Camille Lopez type <laughs> passes. Everything is, everything is slow and loopy and above my head. Yeah, and even if they're off my right hand, they're going to be slow and loopy. Just so you get, just so you get creamed. <laughs> just, just, just so, just so I can get a little rib ticklers yeah. in underneath. Um, 
so we um we, go on, ben. I was, I, that, we played a game at uh St. Austell once and uh this high ball went up and it had a good chase on it and uh I was reliably informed that my dad just went right that'll be me taking the boy to casualty then and got his <laughs> keys out of his pocket <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Phil, Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil. Um, let's let's get back on track with some of the Premiership action. That was an interlude, wasn't it? Mm. That was a uh, that was a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, let's go to Welford Road because obviously, with Saracens getting a bonus point, that takes them to minus seven points now in the Premiership table. Uh, but more importantly, Leicester picked up a bonus point win over Bristol whose season seems to be stalling somewhat um, in recent weeks. Their injury list is growing. We talked with Ryan last week about their sort of midfield woes. Um, but seemingly for Leicester, their their England stars turned up yesterday. Try for Genge, couple for May, try for Ford, who by all accounts absolutely ran the show. Um and Bristol just seemed to be going nowhere. And if they can't fling the ball about for Pierre Tao and Morahan and, and people like that, then then they're really struggling to break teams down. Um I know this one wasn't on uh on on any sort of television, wasn't it? So I don't know how much either of you have, have seen or heard about this game, but um yeah, we're back to literally any team from from four to eleven, being able to beat beat anybody else. Was, so, go on, Ben. Go on. I, I was just, okay. just, I was just going to say, we 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 said it. Was it two or three podcasts ago that um, <clears throat> Leicester were were going to beat a few teams because they had enough quality that if two or three players fired, then they, they were going to beat people. And and I think. From what I've 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 heard and 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 seen a little bit of this game, that's probably what happened. You know, Ford as a sort of game controller is probably as good as there is in in the league. Um, and if he can get on the front foot behind that pack, any team that's of the rough quality of that four four to twelve spot, he 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 can run the show. It is it is a matter as we said again and again and again of that Leicester pack stepping up and, and following in the footsteps of, of packs that have gone before. Um, it struck me when we were talking about is Don Brandt maybe leaving while he's not playing, he'd be a perfect signing for Leicester. Yeah, really would. Um, you know, there's even a little bit of Dean Richards to him, isn't there? Yeah, um, I, like, I, so, like, I like him. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of imp- players they need with that kind of impact. And the ones they've got, they, they, you know, they've taken advantage of a Bristol side who's, who's maybe... Um, in a bit of a slump at the moment, and and as we said, they they were they are going to beat people if they can get parity, and I, I don't think Leicester will be in that much trouble at the end of the year. I think there's worse sides than them in the league. Yeah, look, here's here's how it goes: when you have a salary cap league, you get a league of parity. Bristol have gone about it in one way where they've top loaded their their to use an American phrase, roster, and a few of those get injured and they're very, very average. If they're all fit, then they're great. 
every team is a bit like that. The Saints are lucky. They've had a big crop of youngsters come through, so they've got a bit more strength and depth. But most teams are top-heavy, and they lose a few players, and they go down, and they and they, they look average. And they that's what a salary cap does. It creates a league of averageness. That's the whole idea of it. So every team stands a chance to win. That's why when you get the anomalies like Saracens and Exeter, you can tell that there's something going on. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fair comment. I mean, Bristol seem, they do say lightweight, and it's probably not the right use of the, the word lightweight, but other than Nathan Hughes. They're, they're, they're a bit like me, Russ. They're built for speed, not comfort. Yeah. Whereas you're the opposite. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, you're right. And when and when the the conditions suit, and when they're allowed to do so, they they are able to to run teams off the park. Um, but the likes of Kalamafoni and Tafua will have will have ground them right down yesterday, I think. And they would have they would have just been in a position where Ford can get front football, release people like Johnny May, uh, Kyle Eastmond. Um, Vianu and and just allow them to to play. One question I will ask is Worcester. Worcester get to play Leicester twice, both during um, international windows or when when the um... that's two that's two wins for Worcester. Yeah, they're... well, and and that's my point. Whereas Bristol have to play them twice outside of international windows. Is there any fairness in that? Well, so what is all the other average teams got to make sure they play all the other average teams when it's fair, Russ? No, I'm ju- I'm just asking a question, mate. But there's there's no way because you know when the fixtures come out, you don't know who's going to get injured or, or you know someone someone could retire from internationals or their form could fall off the edge of the cliff, and there's no way to to manage it really. I don't no, think there, there the are only there teams that have an inher- a distinct advantage about playing teams in the international breaks are the people that play Exeter and Saracens. Especially Saracens. Or yeah. maybe you could argue that teams that play Bath and Quinns have a bit of an advantage as well. Well, not necessarily but, Quinns anymore. But, no, well, Quinns provide quite a few England players, don't they? Mm, not as many as, as Leicester, Bath, Saracens, probably Exeter. As far as internationals go, well, well anyway, they're they're the teams that get the advantage. So, you know, Sar- Saracens will lose a load of players. I mean, they can, but 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 usually they lose a couple of games during this that window, don't they? They use, you know, they yeah. usually lose a couple of games during the international window. Hopefully, this year they'll lose a few more. Yeah, um, think fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> You want them coming um, out of the international window no better off than when they went in. That's how you yeah. want it. And then and, the t- I don't even know who they're playing. I mean, knowing Saracen's luck, they'll be playing London Irish, Wasps and Quinns. So where are we? We are... When do they go in? If the first round of the Six Nations is the first weekend of February, um, there's a round of premiership fixtures on the 25th and 26th of January. Where Saracens are away at Quinns. Um, then the 14th of February, Saracens are at home to sail. You know, sail those uh, famous travelling, they, they do really well on the road sail. 
Um, but they but they won't lose many of them. They'll, they'll have a really strong team. Yeah. The Saracens will be playing a mix. So yeah. That could, um, be, that could be a home loss. Really. Yeah. Uh, they travel to Wasps on the 21st of February. Twenty eighth, uh, 29th of um, February, they travel to Northampton. Loss. And that, that's a great opportunity for Northampton. Definitely loss. <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to the Saints definitely. in a minute. They will definitely lose that game without Farrell and all their forwards. Seventh uh, of March, they are home to Leicester, and then the twentieth of March, they're away at Bristol, and then that that should see the end of the Six Nations. Then, so you got to remember as well that Sarah, is it you're only allowed to play twenty, or is it is it twenty games or thirty games in a in a calendar year? I don't know the exact specifics of that. But you've got to think they've already played, a lot of those guys have already played 10 games Yeah, this season. Without the World Cup and the last calendar year going into it. So Saracens are going to get get to the end of the year and a lot of those players are going to be unavailable anyway. Yeah, well, it depends when they run the... When they run the... Oh, it's not just going to reset on January the 1st, is it? I guess games are going to drop off the back and they're going to... Yeah, I don't know. Look, I guess a good podcast would have researched that. Probably, mate. <laughs> Probably. But, you know, let me know when you find one of them. I will, um, mate. The last game oh, yesterday was West Country Derby. Ben, Bath or Gloucester Bath, 29-15 to Gloucester. Um, Bath's only points coming from the boot of Reese Priestland. Bit of a question. So with that, with the Bath backline and, lo- and looking at who they had available and playing on um, on yesterday, on yesterday, playing yesterday. So they had uh, was it Cook, um, Priestland, Roberts, Joseph, Watson, Homer, Rocket Aguni. That's that was their backline. Um, I didn't see the game, but apparently there was some some butchering of opportunities. There was some indecision in the in the bath team i mean you know they had underhill uh low and falatau in the back row you think you would think they would have caused gloucester a few more problems than they actually did yeah um bath were probably the better side for about well at least 50 minutes probably half an hour uh, probably an hour um they, they did butcher some tries. They actually made a lot of breaks. They had a lot of possession. Um, but once they got in the 22, they seemed to run out of ideas completely, um, which was which was a real shame because they actually dominated the game. Priestland, he played really well um, and, and kicked his goals. Um, they dominated the scrums. Stuke had another brilliant game. Um, and... Just to concentrate on the positives for Bath, um, Falatau, he's just a joy to watch. He wasn't, you know, up to steam yet, but he, he put in one pass. He just absolutely fizzed it across the um, the back line. And um, Watson took it on, probably went the wrong way and fed it back to Falatau. And even even when he got dragged down sort of a yard short, he's, he he recycled the ball so so quickly, just with one hand. It was he's He's such a good player, but that kind of was the... That was the game for Bath, really. They got, they did really well to get down to the sort of 
one or two yards out and then they couldn't finish it. Um, had to settle for three points. And then that let Gloucester sort of stay in touch. Um, Bath forgot how to tackle a couple of times in the first half and a lot of times in the second half. And once they got behind, they, they sort of fell apart a little bit. Um, and, you know, they, they had got at the commentary to the point of saying Gloucester don't look up for this, at which point Pelledri very much became up for it and just started <laughs> crashing through everybody. He's um, a monster, isn't he? I wish, yeah. people would be, I wish people would stop saying, oh, God, England let Pelledri slip through the net. Another one like this Reece Summit going, oh, Eddie Jones is tapping up Reece Summit to play for England. The lad's 18 years old. They'll make the decision of who they want to play for. Regardless, um, it's fucking bullshit. Stop, yeah, he, just let it go. He was brilliant. They just they just couldn't stop him. Um, Marshall had a good game. Woodward had a good game. Um, and actually, 12 trees played really well as well. Um, and yeah, Gloucester deserved to win. In the end, they, they, took, they took every chance they had. Um, and they finished much stronger. Um and and they should beat Bath at home. They're 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 a better side, I think, at the moment. Um, for Bath, I just think you know they they did have the advantage of having that back row. Finally, their front five still looks really good. They play very meat and two veg rugby. What say. what what you would almost determine as Stuart Hooper rugby? Yes, very much. So. E- even even with Stuart Hooper not really having too much of a coaching yeah. identity at the moment, coached by a second row rugby and. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Priestland suits that and he played very well. I don't think Freddie Burns is ever going to suit it. Um, they they desperately, I think, need to look at Jamie Roberts because I don't think he's anything close to the player he was. I mean, I, I say that like it's an, it's an opinion. It's a fact, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Jamie Roberts was one of my favourite players ever to watch. He was fantastic as, you know, as, as a younger man but you know I think his time's gone now um, but again I think Bath are very much like Leicester I think they've got too much in in their case up front to be in too much trouble their front five is quite impressive yeah yeah it is and like you know we've we we seem to be going around in, in semi kind of circles with different teams each week ones that are struggling, then they have a good performance and then they come back. Um, you know, but let's face it, Gloucester are a, a much more um, different proposition, a, a tougher proposition than what London Irish are. That's for certain. Um, you know, and Bath looked good against London Irish or Bath looked as good as London Irish looked poor last weekend. Bath, so Bath actually looked very good against Gloucester. They, they dominated the match for an hour it was just they they just didn't have the cutting edge and it it was a little bit of a share uh, almost the turning point of the match was a, a disallowed try I think rightly disallowed where a ball got dislodged in a tackle and Joseph did his typical thing of being the first man on the spot and finished it um, but it was disallowed and then Gloucester pretty much went down the other end scored their third try and and that was game over from there Oh well, that's what, what. What even was that noise? I don't even know what that noise was. <laughs> I've just gone. Oh yeah. Um. Thanks. Thanks for that, Ben. Um. Let's move on to today's games. Uh. Mentioned London Irish there. Um. I've seen, again. Social media is fucking full of just 
throb, isn't it? I saw some social media today, like towards the end of a game. Exeter had two yellow cards, two guys in the bin. Exeter Chiefs, this is fans are this is shocking, this is appalling. You know, why aren't we basically why aren't we nilling London Irish because they're wank? Um, we beat Saracens and we they certainly scored a penalty try yesterday. We, we conceded 20 odd points to, to London Irish this week. And just pointing out that as long as they win and get five points, what the fuck does it matter? Yeah, and also London Irish aren't bad. No. And they're, and they're a different, they're a different proposition. They're, they're a decent side and they've got some really good attacking rugby players, especially in the backs. They have got a Stephen Myler problem and it's very much like watching Northampton of four years ago. They have players with attacking intent, but Stephen Myler just doesn't have the creativity to unleash it. Yeah, There's a, a lot of stationary or flat balls there's a lot of aimless kicking just punting it up in the air for no particular reason they've got a scrum half who wants to kick away the ball every time he's got it they need to get him out i think ben Meehan is nowhere near as good as nick phipps uh nick phipps um unfortunately well i think maybe nick phipps was playing wasn't playing because it again irish had tossed it off a little bit you know yeah Ben. Having not seen the game, would it be scandalous that it was maybe a little final kick in the teeth towards Saracens that Exeter took their foot off the pedal for the once they got a bonus point? They did. They didn't take their foot off the pedal at all. They absolutely didn't. They they lost. They lost the man two meter Simbins. Um, Hassel Collins scored an amazing try, like a seventy meter try, beating five people. They then had a yellow card, conceded a try with 13 men on the field. And yeah, they deserved their bonus point. Um, But when it got to within looking like one more try would give London Irish two bonus points, Exeter just went down the field and scored again. Yeah, they didn't. They uh, go from the restart. Dolman knocked it yeah. back and yeah. there, was a, there was a penalty. And, and first thing Steve did was nudge it over. They, yeah, they've, already yeah. got, they've already got a bonus point. They don't have to do that. They could have just kicked it into the corner and wasted yeah. time or whatever. But he, but yeah. he took the took the points. Exactly. Just just a couple of things on Exeter. So, speaking to James yesterday, a couple of things. Weirdly fun. A weirdly funded team. Now that I've understood the way that they're funded, um, and then I sort of looked around their squad today, and they've got a lot of players that are very good that should be earning good money. And they've just signed Johnny Gray. Yeah, and we we meant we talked about this sort of briefly last week. You know, Tom Lauday left for Quinns because Exeter essentially couldn't afford to keep him because he was coming to the end of his academy contract or what is yeah. you know. Um, and is there is there a a culture the culture at Exeter where people just want to be a part of it regardless of being offered lots well, of money. I mean, that's what James is saying about Saracens, that they've got a lot of players that actually are there because they get paid. They put, they take a pay cut to go there. But it's indisputable, but the co-investments have been, you know... Yeah. They're, and, they're, uh, they're a thing, you know, <laughs> that you can't hide that. And then and then, until the decision is made to But to who knows, maybe, maybe Tony Rose giving extra players free phone calls, I don't know. 
<laughs> it's free broadband, Southwest Communications. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who does know? And it's ultimately, it's only the the PRL that do know exactly what's going on to a certain extent, because yeah. they're the ones that are in charge of the the contracts and the the salary cap. The salary cap manager's job must be a nice one. Mm. Might might see if I can apply for apply for one of them. Um, but Exeter were. Two good teams going at it today, or yeah, you know, yeah, again, good, game, good game, baffling, baffling use of the TMO and and um, a couple of high tackles that you know every day of the week go. I hate that saying. Don't say that. That in every other game are penalised, but London Irish didn't get them. Um, Christoph Ridley, not. Really, I think he may have a bit of an ego. I don't know. Who knows? But not really listening to his touch judges, overruling them. Um, yeah, very, very strange. Very strange game in, in that respect. And um, I just reset scrums. Can we fuck them off, please? Just start binning people until... Yeah. Or just, just take the time off. Yeah, until the scrum is ready, until the referee is ready at that very moment to go crouch, then just go time on crouch. Yeah, yeah. Or fair, make it, make it, make it into a like. Sorry, make it into like a shot clock. We talked yeah, about this the other week. Yeah, didn't yeah, we? yeah. A bit, it annoys me that when a team you've got London Irish who were playing fifteen against thirteen, and there's a scrum, and their forwards are just sort of milling about. Yeah. Uh, Every second you're not set in that scrum is a second less you play 15 on 13. Yeah. How hard is that for you to grasp? If I was a coach, I would be doing my nut over it, that. It, there should be a, when one team is there, like, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what the, you know, like in rugby cricket league. or rugby, rugby league. league. As soon as the scrum's formed, we, we spoke about it two weeks ago. As soon as the scrum, the unit is formed, the clock stops. Yeah. Or, just as soon as one team is ready, as soon as one team is ready to go with the scrum, mm. or the team with the with the putting, if the other team aren't ready, free kick them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've got ten seconds to get ready yeah. in the scrum, and if they're not all there and formed up, then it's a free kick, and we yeah. and we get the game going again. That seems like a really I quite like that idea. So get rush your forwards to the scrum, get set up, get yeah. your get the maybe it, heads maybe in. it'd have the effect of slimming the forwards down because they'd have to be a bit more mobile. Maybe, maybe, but I, I like I, I do like that idea. Um, let's let's get on to the last game because we have been going for for over an hour now, which is uh, just decent. Um, Northampton, Doug, this afternoon were at the Rico to play Wasps. Um, obviously, I know you weren't watching because you were at London Irish. Ben, you would have watched a little bit of this this afternoon. Another really sort of strange, topsy turvy game. Um, Wasps looked all right first half. Um, Northampton Northampton played well, but but Wasps stayed with them. Um, I'm getting more and more impressed with Jacob Umaga every week. Every time I watch him, he's becoming more and more accomplished. He's he's looking really really good, and you know it's almost easy to see why they're why they completely almost completely moved on from Lima Sopawaga. Um, even with all the bags of money that he's going to be on, he's just not in the squad. Just you know, milling around Leamington Spa, going to Nando's, 
you know, checking out a cathedral. If there is one in Leamington Spa, don't know. Royal Leamington Spa, isn't it? Um, and then early in the second half, Northampton came out. They scored two quick tries in the first sort of eight minutes of the second half, and you just thought to yourself, "Well, that's that's game over then. Nothing, nothing, nothing to see here." Northampton, this you know, Northampton's bench with um, Naivoro and Franks and Lublum, um, Ratanuara, uh, Taylor, all these guys to come off the bench. You just thought, yeah. They're just gonna they're just gonna drip feed these players on, and you know, Nine of Vora is gonna come on and, and cause havoc. What actually happened was was kind of the opposite because um, Gopuff came on for for Wasps and almost completely changed the game. He had the impetus. He gave them their bit of go forward. He gave them a direction um, from twelve that was that was almost really supportive of Umanga, and it was you know. Fekitoa got going and they've they really got back into the game. They Goppa scored a really good try and then Minotzi did five minutes later. Um and then the big sort of talking points of the game came in. Uh Tom Collins red card on 64 minutes, and then Reinach got yellow carded on 69 and the penalty try. Um which put Wasps into the lead. Um only for Northampton to score a last minute winner. With with um, only thirteen men on the field, and you got to think that that wasps just should have done a lot better in those final sort of ten minutes or so. Only playing against thirteen men, Ben. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, Saints scored a couple of brilliant tries in the first half, um, and that Minotti try in particular was a real a real good try. try. Um, I think uh, Northampton, if they'd lost, I think they would have felt quite hard done by because they 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 were the better team, I think. I think they won most of the collisions in that match. Um, I'll tell you who's playing well. It's, it's Harrison. Um, you, yeah. know, you know, I don't think I'd want to see him back in an England shirt, but for Gets the Saints, he's playing well. Gets found out against the bigger teams. Gets found out. Yeah, I think that would be fair. And, and I found th- out seriously against Leinster. Yeah, he's a little just a little bit underpowered, I think, for for the very big games. But Tom Wood played well, um, and Waller, I don't know, he he was doing his best to Alangi impression for most of the first half. Um, best player never to play for England. Yeah, you could be right there, Doug. I think, or certainly in you know since uh, since two thousand, anyway. Um, but I, I think you know Wasps really did hang in there. I don't think anyone really has any complaints about the red card. No. Um, and and the yellow card, I think, was was probably fair as well. Who got off? Uh, Tom Collins got sent off. Um, he took a magger out in the air. Oh, uh, he just he just but it was a it was a red card. I think he he was just reckless. He he was running. He, look, he, legs, was, he, was, yeah. he was running, looking at the ball. But the duty of care is with him to slow down, but he didn't. Duty of care. I think I think we all know that's a red card nowadays, and and the referee, I think to be fair to him, he didn't really want to send him off. Um, it was a the sort of video referee gave him a second opinion, which was probably the right one. But you know, he, he did. He even said to Collins, he was like, "Look, I, you know, you didn't do it on purpose, but you nearly killed a man." Um, <laughs> uh, 
so you know I don't, I don't really see any problems with that um the, the yellow card was fine penalty try you know it was a deliberate knock-on with with a man that was going to walk in so you know saints having been the better side they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit and then they've showed a lot of spirit then to come back from it and and those substitutes that you mentioned did come on and and made a difference they they, they got uh, a couple of penalties through sort of wasps not managing it very well yeah and then they just battered away on the line didn't they well, and, in, and... in interestingly so the not too much was made made of it um austin healy on commentary was fucking i i, I contemplated muting it at times i'd love to be able to mute him just just mute him <laughs> um but what i will say is that they played without a scrum half. They played probably 10 or 12 phases without a scrum half. Um, and it took you know, maybe two or three minutes off the clock. And at the, at the break in play, they brought on um, the young lad uh, whose name escapes me. I just mentioned him there a second ago. Uh, Ryan Rugby. Huh? Ryan Rugby. Ryan Rugby. No, um, Harry Taylor. Henry. Henry Taylor. Um, and that just settled Northampton right down. They took a bit of time. They took um, Proctor off. So they bought Proctor on um, as a replacement. They took him off and replaced him with with Taylor. And it was his pass that put Nairavaro over um, for the try. But it just seemed like just with that one substitution, Boyd kind of changed the the direction of the whole game because it just it's like I say it seemed to settle Northampton down and and all of a sudden they they seem like you know actually we're in even though we've only got 13 players we're in control here I mean it it's not really rocket science though is it absolutely no absolutely it, it's like oh oh we haven't got a scrum off maybe we maybe we need one um but I suppose it's a cool head isn't it you know thinking it through and and making that change i suppose would this is complete guesswork but would collins perhaps have slotted in a scrum half why because he's little yeah exactly <laughs> stereotype but you're not That's putting toala in there are you well there was um, a number of phases when naira Voro did it yeah and it was it was to be, fair, ben, to be fair ben i wouldn't want i wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want toala on the pitch let alone a scrum <laughs> half. i'll tell you what dan bigger runs some crash lines now doesn't he well, he's, he's your crash ball centre. Yeah. He, he he played really well again. Um, he's just a great I, guy. And, I, and he, referee, help, he helps referee the game as well, which I, is, which I is can, positive. I can imagine him being the starting 10 for the Lions, you know. Yeah. I, I really can. Reverse. I'd like um, the Saints to have the Lions 10. Um, I just want to bring up a tweet from Ben Ryan, who is slowly becoming the grouchiest man in rugby. Um, obviously, a 34-31 game, was it? Did it 35, 35-31. Okay, so obviously a lot of attacking rugby, really nice game to watch. Watching hashtag Wasp Northampton game, some great players out there, well coached, and both teams want to play a bit too. Imagine if the breakdown was cleaned up and the side entry and off feet was actually being officiated. The game could be so much better it, it and wasn't, safer. It was a mess in this game, though, to be fair. Yeah, it, it really was. But then if it was being officiated... If it was being officiated to the letter of the law at every yeah, breakdown, we'd have no penalties. We'd have no rugby. I noticed Willis in particular was just like 
gra- grabbing the ball while he was on his knees, but just about every um, every ruck. But like we said about the offside line, he was getting away with it. So why stop? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, fuck me, I lost my train of thought then for a bit. Should we wrap um, it up because it's let's... twenty to ten? Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, any other business, uh, Ben? Anything from you? No, let's get out of here. <laughs> Love that, Doug. <laughs> uh, any other business? Um, yeah, uh, I, I could do about World War Three. The end. Yeah, we're we're all gonna die. So uh, let that let that be uh, let that be a lesson to you, Donald. Being I didn't, or, I didn't actually mean, shall we wrap it up right now, by the way. <laughs> I feel like that was taken quite literally. Well, why not? An hour and a quarter, mate. Let's, let's get it done. I um, was enjoying myself. Did you see, well, you mentioned World War Three. Did you see a, uh, or it might have been on Instagram, might have been on Twitter, a callback video to 2011 <laughs> to Donald Trump? basically shouting off at Barack Obama saying, uh, oh, it's election year. What are you going to do? Just bomb Iran. Just yeah. go and send some troops into Iran. And uh, and that's how you're going to win your election, is it? Barack Obama in 2011. Um, isn't it election year in America this year, Donald? <laughs> you absolute wand. I call him a wand as well. Why not? <laughs> He's um, an orange wand. He is an orange wand. That is a fact. Um, but yeah, so what? F- unbelievable, really, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Sound like Rafa Benitez. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He works so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, VAR. Let's not even talk um, about football. Oh, yeah, that, that was one thing I wanted to say. No, I did want to say that um, I've what I watched Liverpool v Leicester on Boxing Day uh, as I was working at it, and I had no choice. And they are a very, very good football team. As much yeah, as that pains me to admit. I know. Did you, did you see the the Liverpool under twelves beat Everton this afternoon? Uh, and Everton had basically had a full first team playing, and Liverpool had about eight or nine kids, Adam Lallana and Divock Origi, and one of the kids scored an absolute worldy wonder goal. That was some uh, goal, wasn't it? And uh, Liverpool won one nil. So now the two best, the two the two best teams in Liverpool are Liverpool and. Liverpool under 18s, but lots of things. See what you did there, mate. You made did, a banter. I did. I did make a banter, lads, lads, uh, lads. Copyright Bill Shankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he didn't copyright it. Mate. Oh, so it's a fifty-year-old banter, was it? <laughs> and, he, and he's dead. Was it even known as a banter back then? Ye oldie banter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it was called banter, but it was with three e's. <laughs> oh, you shall banter me, young. From the Latin, meaning not fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir, you shall be ye bantering me. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, let let's let's actually get out of here. Thanks for your company again, gents. We're going to do this again um, on Sunday uh, do, evening. Do you know what, Russ? Do you know what? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Russ. Don't pa- don't patronise me, you prick. <laughs> um, and yeah we'll do it again on a Sunday evening seems, it seems to make a lot more sense and uh, yeah we'll, uh, we'll catch up very soon go well
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.